0: scotch stories by whiskey fm what do you do mark and um, who do you work for
1: so i am the ambassador to scotland for glenfiddich single mall whiskey i work for the grant family uh, who own a number of distilleries around scotland mostly whiskey gin Hendricks being one of the non-whisky ones uh, we have girvin balvenie kinnanvi elsa Uh, We also have a few outside in Ireland with Tullamore Dew and Hudson Tuttletown Distillers in New York State.
0: What makes being... Well, actually, I'm curious because you, rather than just linking yourself to Glenfiddich, you linked yourself to the Grant family. Do you see the Grant family as being more your employer than Glenfiddich? How does that work?
1: You know, it's it's a really good question. And I... I'm an ambassador for Glenfiddich and everything that Glenfiddich is but I'm a representative of the Grant family. So yes, we're a huge company that produces a a large volume of whisky, iconic whisky, ubiquitous 12 year old but at the very heart of it is still a family value which as an ambassador I find myself always caught between the two. The marketeers from down south will send memos and have one idea of how this brand should move forward. And I still have one foot almost in the family heritage side saying that's not how I believe we would want this to... So I can be quite argumentative at the best of times, (laughs) but when it comes to the brand and any values that don't quite ring true to where I know the family sit with it, that's where I start to stamp my feet a little bit. It's 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 strange. Uh, quite a few times, people uh, when I'm doing tastings, people will say, "Oh, so you're you're part of the Grant family?" And I was like, "No, no, no, no." Oh, but you talk about it as if you are. Because I'll say, "So back in the 1960s, what we did as a family." And I, you know, but my girlfriend's always saying, "You're not a Grant family <laughs> member." <laughs> uh, but, but I don't. I think as an ambassador, you really do. You can't do your job well unless you actually think of every bottle, of every drop, of every glass being something which is almost coming from you personally and having that family connection and knowing the, the family very well and I work very closely with them makes my job a lot easier.
0: What makes being a, an ambassador such a great job?
1: <laughs> Whiskey. Just all of the whiskey. (laughs) Yeah, in all seriousness, what a wonderful industry to be a part of. You you know, the the other ambassadors that are out there, other salespeople, other marketing managers, they've all moved around different brands. We all know each other. We've seen our careers rise or fall in some cases, but we've always been there to help and support. You know, at the stills, we are all pals, at the bar, we're all enemies. You know, the, those those yeah. the the brands develop into something different, but there's a level in between where I think if you work long enough in this industry, it really doesn't feel like work. Yes, it's tiring and there's travel and there's expenses to do and there's you know the commercial side that has to be adhered to, but break it all down, and there cannot be a job out there which allows you to sit in somewhere like. We are today's Scotch Bar at the Balmoral and sit and chat across the bar with someone, which is work, but let's face it, you're sitting talking about something we all, well, quite a few of us do, which is drink whiskey and enjoy it for what it is. And the conversations that come out of that, the stories that develop, are part of work. So, what a great job.
0: And it's so lovely, I think, as well, to be doing that in Scotland, to be doing it in the heart of where it comes from.
1: There's certainly something very special about. Coming back to Scotland and being so close to the source of it all, to drive. To drive up to Glenfiddich, you pass so many distilleries on the way there, so many familiar names, and and certainly coming. I've moved back to Scotland two years ago. Coming back here, what it has done is given me an opportunity to fall back in love with the country that I grew up in. To be that close to the source of all these and I've taken time now to actually stop, I'll drive past something and think do you know what, I've driven past this Heather Centre up in Granton for years now and I've never stopped, popped in had a cup of tea and a scone and looked at their wee whisky selection and got chatting with the people there and I thought this is, this is great, just taking the time out again, and seeing that you know, you can, you can when from London you can be so far removed from what the business is uh, taking time out of that is just great. Scotland's great for it.
0: So, key differences between between being an ambassador in London and Scotland.
1: <sighs> Apart from the fresh air, the, this it's a slower pace here. I mean, everyone always talks about that. How Scotland's a slightly slower pace and London's frantic and, but it is. You know, a, a, you would finish uh, a training somewhere and dash across to another part of London, jump on the tube and battle that, get out and. Reset. Do again. Repeat. Being here, Edinburgh, where I'm based, Glasgow's forty-five minutes on the train. The Highlands, or you know, you're an hour and you're in Perthshire and the beautiful start of the Southern Highlands. Those journeys between events are far more memorable than being crushed into an underground tube on the Central Line in July when you're trying to move a case of whisky around with you as well.
0: Sweat, sweat, sweat.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it just helps. It just calms. Don't be wrong, there's still times when I'm late or something's gone wrong so I can be just as hectic in Scotland as I can in London. But I think that's the main difference. Although the, the audience surprised me. The, the audience in London, if you go to a whiskey club, they are very... They're committed. They, they, they bought into this idea and everything about it. So there's quite a lot that will travel uh, to various distilleries to further their, their own education whereas in Scotland a lot of the whiskey clubs in Scotland I think just get together and drink because I'll ask them mm-hmm. you know if you've been to a distillery close by nah <laughs> it's under an hour yeah, away you know
0: just taking it for granted it is
1: taken for granted and and I don't blame them in a way because I think the average bar in the UK as a whole has four and a half bottles of single malt in the back bar the average bar in Scotland has 13 why travel when it's all there on your doorstep yeah uh, but it surprised me when I came back to Scotland. I really was expecting this sort of level of geeky question to come at me hard and fast, and it didn't. It, there was actually the general knowledge on whiskey is actually quite limited in mm-hmm. Scotland because take it for granted. Yeah. And I love that. The questions are more about tell me a funny story about the distillery rather than tell me how, how wh- what's your strike rate temperature on your on your mash. So. I was kind of expecting that's what it would be. I've not been caught out. Nobody's, you know, not to Google any questions (laughs) that anyone's asked. (laughs) One day that will happen. Thank goodness for Google. Yeah, I know.
0: What is the surrealist, um, well, the the most surreal experience you've had whilst being an ambassador?
1: Oh, uh, I did the highest whiskey tasting in the world at the time to a satellite link to uh, Mount Everest base camp cool that was fun Uh,
0: how did they have the whiskey did they they had it they had it
1: shipped up and they took it with them yeah it was uh, walking with the wounded um, back in goodness that would be about six seven years ago
0: did it taste different
1: yeah they were told not to drink but they were also told that they couldn't make the summit because of avalanches it was too warm so when they came off camera they were drinking (laughs) when they came back onto camera they all sat up and um (laughs) Yeah, that, that, was, that was quite bizarre. But then I've, I've you know, done tastings on boats, um, trains. There's a funny one, actually, in London, speaking of the central line. I got on one day and the Hull pipe band were, had filled the carriage, all in Scottish regalia, the kilts and swags and tartan. And I started chatting to the what turned out to be the pipe major. And I said, oh, oh, there's been a competition down here. We're, we're just heading back to um, King's Cross to get the train up to Hull. And I was like, oh, cool, this is bizarre. And, we're, you know, everyone's crammed in. I said, I'm a whiskey ambassador. I said, I've got a bottle of Glenfiddich in my bag if you uh, give me a tune on the pipes. So he, I took the bottle out, and it was three quarters open, but I gave my card and said, here, share that out with the guys on the train on the way up. And he's like, bruh, thank you so much. It's Right, lads and, and girls. Well, the noise... <laughs> the drummer started, there must have been four sets of pipes.
0: How incredible. And I thought,
1: it's not, it, it struck me because I thought, as you know, a bit of Scotland gets everywhere, not only was it a bit of Scotland, but it was the Hull Pipe Band who happened to be in London, bumping into a Scotch Ambassador on the train. It was, mm-hmm. yeah. There's, so, there's been lots of little moments like that where I think, I'm not very shy, I'm quite happy at striking up a conversation with a total stranger I think because of the job that I do, because whiskey brings so many people together, I'm quite comfortable with that. Uh, so there's been lots of little fun instances like that that I can recall. Bizarre moments where you think that was crazy, but fun. Then you move on to the next one.
0: So, whiskey takes you so far, and most people are, even if they don't drink it, they're interested in the industry, they're interested in where it takes you. So, there's always something between. To talk about, I find.
1: Yeah, I think, I, can, I hear quite often actually people saying things like, I've always wanted to get into whiskey, because it seems really cool and really interesting, and everybody that drinks it is really cool and got a story, and, uh, and but I've just never found the right one. You know, I think that's, people don't say that about vodka.
0: No, no, <laughs> they don't. How has... The role of, so you've been a brand ambassador for what, five, six years?
1: Uh, Seven.
0: Seven years, okay. How's that role changed in the last couple of years? Or has it changed?
1: No, I don't think it has actually. I think when I, I, it it may well have for others. When I started, I had my own little business as an ambassador. And I was working at the time with a prominent drinks journalist. And I'd watched them stand up in front of a big conference one day to divulge information about the, the industry and, and drinks. And I remember sitting at the back and thinking to myself, good grief, this is boring. <laughs> and and you're, you're very highly paid for this. And this is how you deliver to this room. I thought, you, you've not read the room, the people. So I thought, there's got to be a better way of doing this. So when I started out, I brought out the almost anti-ambassador course. It was it was a look, forget everything you've learnt before. There was no PowerPoint presentations. It, it, you know, there was no talk of regionality in whiskies. It was just this is we're breaking it down. This is what it is. This is a blend. This is a single grain. This is a vatted malt or at the time, you know. So all these. Things that historically had ambassadors are probably going out and talking about, I just thought, this is wrong. It's boring. And there's younger people out there that don't listen this way anymore. It's not a lecture. It's a conversation. I think that style that I employ, and I still do it today, it's adapted a little bit because, obviously, seven years down the road, more stories, more depth of knowledge, actually. I had good knowledge back then every day I pick up a new bit of information and think oh but then at the same time I think how do I make that sound interesting How I've got to log that bit of information for the benefit of others but that doesn't mean I need to tell every person now that I meet that that information is relevant so you still have to work out your crowd and I think it, to answer your question perhaps not personally for me but I think the role of ambassadors they used to be market, marketing mouthpieces here's this year's story, here's what we're talking about, go out and tell people that. And there are still, and I'm not naming names, but there are still ambassadors out there that carry around with them laminated A4 maps of Scotland and, you know, things they hold up in front of people. And I just, they need to change because it, their message isn't getting across. No, they don't need to change because they work for competitor brands. So they're yeah, fine. so they
0: can yeah, keep it boring.
1: So I'd love to think that that development of how, how to communicate whiskey in a more modern way will continue to change. So it might actually be that it hasn't changed for me because I've I kind of made a very conscious effort to start doing things differently. And I can see lots of cool young people coming in through the business that have got the same kind of attitude, and they're doing it even better. So it's evolving. Thankfully, those dinosaurs with their laminated A4s are fading into the mist of time,
0: uh,
1: along with most of their brands, actually, I think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so in, in, that, in that vein, what tips would you give a uh, would-be brand ambassador? I'm, I have met so many, I started out as a brand ambassador, and so many people would say, oh my goodness, you're so lucky, the dream job, whiskey brand ambassador, that was a bit different because I was working for an auction house, I still do. What would you say to these people?
1: People ask me all the time, how do I get your job? Or how how do I do a job like yours? I think now one of the bits of advice I'd give anyone would be don't think that the role is just about talking about whiskey. And by that I mean it's most of your time spent in front of people, you're actually trying to work out what you need to tell them or what they want to know. I think one of the most invaluable things I did years ago was um, a public speaking course and an acting course as well to loosen you up, allow you to be comfortable in front of an audience. You can have a head, an encyclopedic knowledge of whiskey, and you, as that individual I was talking about did, and you put them in front of a crowd and it, it you, they might as well just put Google up and, or Wikipedia or... or scotchwhiskey.com which is no longer with us uh, you, so having the knowledge is one thing delivery and understanding your audience I think is key to an ambassador now bartenders are quite good at it because they, they, they understand that interaction over the bar but even then I think it needs to be much broader I think if you are serious about getting into this line of work and staying in it for a long time Tools such as public speaking and, and elocution lessons and all the things that make you a more interesting person standing up which makes your audience listen which means it doesn't matter what bit of information you're dropping it's, a, it's taken so I think that's a, a part of the business which we we don't emphasise enough we should we, at William Grant and Sons we, we have courses that we go on journalistic courses interviewing techniques uh, not so much the acting lessons; I took that under my own, uh, my own wing to to, to bolster my skill set, but I think it's quite important to do that.
0: So we're going to talk more about your love of whiskey. Yeah. When did it begin, this love of whiskey, and can you remember your first dram?
1: Yes. Uh, I was around eight, and it was Christmas, and I pinched my grandfather's glass, and it was Glenfiddich and it was Glenfiddich Pure Malt from the 1970s. And I remember all these things because he only really drank Glenfiddich. And he had a couple of others in the cupboard if they'd been gifted, but everybody knew him as a Fiddich drinker. But I'd always had this thing in the back of my head about whiskey, and and because my grandfather drank... My dad was not much of a whiskey drinker, actually. He's uh, kind of passed him by. Uh, And so for me, there was a connection back to my grandpa for it as well. And I'd I'd studied wines, so whiskey became a little bit easier. I I found wine a little up its own arse, basically. (laughs) Although I still love my wines, I still collect wines, but whiskey suddenly took off. And you've got to think, you're talking now, 11 years ago when I really started to think about it as a career... Well, slightly more actually 13, 13 years ago um, and it was a great time in the UK because there was so much stuff happening you had Japanese whiskey coming across or the start of it was you know just starting to hear whispers of it coming across mm-hmm. and you could seek you could still seek out these old bars around Scotland and sit down in front of a gantry full of amazing whiskies and just sit chatting about them or trying them and they were still quite affordable back then <laughs> yeah. Unlike, Unlike now, now it's kind of gone through the roof in some places. But
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, so yeah, for me, it was it was almost just a natural little progression into it. And I think the turning point was ten years ago when I saw that individual stand up, and I thought, I can do this. I can do it better than that. I can make it interesting, and I'll I'm going to do it with whiskeys because that's something I'm interested in, and I'm sure. At that point, yeah, 10 years ago, there was a lot of interest in people starting to think about whiskies and whiskey cocktails in particular.
0: So, you found a niche and you moved into it. Yeah. Within the whisky industry, who have you found most inspirational? I'm sure you meet so, so many people.
1: Oh, Ronnie Cox, and he knows it as well. <laughs> Charlie McLean, yeah. Dave Broom. I'm really fortunate to call these people friends. And and I look back, and Ronnie Cox and I, both Dundonians. Although you'd never know it listening to Ronnie talk,
0: <laughs> uh,
1: there's just something. It, there's almost a regal nature to him, and yet he is the most welcoming, humble individual. And his knowledge is the, the idea there. His knowledge is superb, but Ronnie is. Your consummate ambassador. If you have a chance to go to Glenrothes and go to a Man's House, you really do feel like you are being looked after. And it's not that he just knows his whiskey knowledge; he has all that. Those social skills of understanding how to welcome people into a room, how to sit at dinner. It's and it's those things that I know that sounds really pompous, but. I know he can turn his hand to, because he has, he's sat down with the ambassador to Russia, not the whiskey ambassador, the actual ambassador (laughs) to Russia, during uh, negotiations with the British ambassador, and Ronnie was there with some great stories, which I can't tell now, but that type of individual. Charlie McLean, wow, Charlie's just, the thing I like about Charlie the best is, is when you, I used to smoke. And that's the best time to get to know Charlie, because he'll always pop out for a cigarette. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I remember meeting him for the first time in person up at Bal Blair Actually, he'd just finished um, filming *Angel Share*, and I was having a chat with him up there. And I, I was almost—I was a little bit starstruck—and then immediately put at ease by him, as we chatted and had a cigarette outside. And uh, and then he said, "You know what, old oh boy?" I said, he said, "Shall we? Shall we nip for a pint?" because all this whiskey is making me a bit thirsty and I thought this is it, this is what it is you can you know, strip everything back and it's shall we go for a pint shall we just go and enjoy each other's company and, and we had a whiskey as well but it's moments like that with people like that they'll never forget and they, therefore they epitomise everything that's right about the industry they're not driven by commercial or if they are they don't make that the, the main focus of how they interact with you they're just genuinely lovely people who are in a, a, a great industry and there's, there's Shilton from Paul John I think is one of the hardest working um, guys out there as well, I've known Shilton for a long time David Fitt the, the distiller for English Whiskey Company, I worked with David 10, 9 years ago just when English whiskey was coming out, and I've got a lot of time and respect for that man and his attitude and the troubles he had to jump through to get some recognition for the whiskey he was making. Oh, I could, I could go on. I, basically, everybody I meet in the industry, well, apart from a few, I, I, I would. I <laughs> there would, are
0: always a few, aren't there? There's always
1: a few. It's like an extended family. We all know at the shows. Um, you know, you're trying to grab everybody's attention that's walking past. But when the show ends and the consumers have gone, find the nearest pub and stand outside. And it's you've just replicated the whisky show with all the exhibitors, <laughs> but all you know around a table buying each other pints or whiskies. And yeah, you don't, you wouldn't see that in the pharmaceutical industry or or the oil yeah. industry or yeah. cosmetics. It's it's quite cutthroat. But I think we work very tight. And then there's always bottle swaps at the end of the shows as well, which I love. It's great. I've got a half bottle of this. Uh, I've not tried that for ages. And you end up coming home with a selection, and which is great because you can sit down, try them at your leisure and think, oh, that's actually a good drink. I've not tried that for a long time. And then you have a point of reference when you're talking about your own whiskies. You can genuinely chat to people and say, oh, I tried this last week. It's good. It's along the same lines as this, but what hours brings that that one doesn't have? Or, you know... It, it gives you more of a genuine conversation with consumers when you are able to talk holistically about whiskey instead of just, again, pulling out an A4 laminated card about your brand.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm do this, do that,
1: yeah. which is it. If that's...
0: It's not convincing people, is it, As of you being a whiskey lover if all you have a People want, or want or
1: to know they're being entertained or educated by someone who is part of the industry that they're they're talking about it's not just a job it's certainly not custodial is a good word